Welcome back to Telegnosis and Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Tess, and if this is your first time tuning in, welcome! I haven't put out an audio recording in a while because life has been absolutely insane, but if this is your first time, welcome to a podcast about everything creepy, unusual, and strange in the world. We talk about aliens, we talk about conspiracy theories, we talk about cryptids, we talk about true crime. Just everything that's interesting in the world. I'm your host, Tess. I'm definitely not an alien investigating Earth. And if you are not a fan of introductions or like long intros, you're going to want to skip ahead like five minutes because I haven't updated you guys in a while from the last time that I made uh, an episode. And I did have the full intention to keep making episodes, but then life got in the way. So yeah, uh, you might want to skip ahead if you're like, just here for the hollow moon theory but if you're here and you actually want to you know listen to me talk a little bit about my life thank you <laughs> first of all the most exciting thing in the entire oh my my cat says hi the most entire thing the, the, the most exciting thing in the entire world is holy shit i'm getting a desk thank goodness we're um moving because this apartment oh my god uh this apartment is wild First of all, there's mold growing pretty much in every room, and the ceiling is leaking, and the well, the ceiling is leaking in a couple of places, and there's no room for a desk in this apartment, also barely enough room for a kitchen table, and the kitchen table we had- oh, Hedy says hi. The kitchen table we had was not ideal for sitting at, We so we never actually used it. But now I'm moving and I'm going to actually have a desk to record at, which I'm so excited about. You have no idea. But yeah, seriously, the apartment we're in now, the mold is so bad. How bad is the mold? The mold is so bad that we've had to clean it basically daily. And I'm pretty sure it's causing me to be some level of sick because I've been feeling like not 100% for like a month. But it's also like the roof has been leaking. But just having, like, kind of brain fog and a stuffy nose. And I'm fully attributing that to mold. I don't think it's anything to do with, like, COVID or anything like that. But the apartment we're moving to is so nice. There's no mold. It's clean. It's, like, refreshed. Uh, also, oh yeah, I, I have in my notes, the roof just flat out leaks for no reason. Like, there's water dripping in multiple spots and we are not the top apartment. There's somebody above us, so it's not like the roof is leaking. So I don't know where the water is coming from. I, don't, I really hope it is water. Um, I've taken pictures of the ceiling just in case it gives out one day so I can show the landlord and be like, look, it wasn't us. But the whole apartment itself hasn't been updated since at least the 70s. And the cupboards kind of all lean in towards the sink and look like they're just going to give up one day, so... That leads me to, I'm moving. I'm not going to say exactly where because Canada has approximately three cities, but I'm moving to a city. I'm going to have an actual desk for podcasting and I am so pumped. This is going to be so great. I'm excited to be able to work on the Patreon, which is a shameless Patreon plug. I'm excited to be able to work more on the podcast, to be able to get more out to you guys because right now... I am sitting on a pillow on the floor using the couch as my desk and I gotta say it is a little not the best. 
I mean, my leg kind of falls asleep, so that's why I have to record the podcast in chunks, which doesn't make a difference for you guys listening, but... Yeah, this is by far the most exciting news that I have, and um, going back to what I mentioned earlier, how I haven't been making podcast episodes, I haven't been making podcast episodes because I haven't been doing well mentally and a little bit physically, but I'm I'm happy to say that that's going to get better soon. Uh, mentally, definitely I'm, I'm feeling better, but I was having some pretty rough days, a lot of like, you know, just spiraling in my brain, but... That, that's been getting better. And it's with the help of you guys, too. You guys are so sweet. And I'm very thankful for all of my listeners. Also, speaking of apartments, as you all know, I've had ghosts follow me around for forever. But right now we have one that is just loving the move because everything is in boxes. And whatever ghost or little spirit we have loves to mess around with boxes, pull stuff out, knock shit over. It's having a great time, but it is a plain pain in the butt to clean up after this little ghosty. So, I mean, not saying, and he's not doing anything bad. He or she or they or it is not really doing anything bad. It's just, we'll be like sitting in the living room and just hear a ruckus in the hallway and we know it's not heady because he's just hanging out in the living room with us and then we'll go out and like stuff will be knocked over or it'll be like pulled out of the box it's crazy okay uh is that everything um the world is still burning so that's great but that's not what we're focusing on we're we're not focusing on the world today we're taking a look at outer space specifically the moon and possibly its inhabitants A real introduction to the hollow moon theory and getting the science out of the way. Think about the moon. Think about how close we are to it. Considering how close we are to the moon, we know hecking nothing about it. We don't even know how it came to be. There are five main theories on how the moon was formed. The fission theory, the capture theory, the condensation theory, the colliding planetesimals theory, and the ejected ring theory. The fission theory is the moon was once part of the Earth and somehow separated from the Earth early in the history of the solar system. The present Pacific Ocean Basin is the most popular site for the part of the Earth from which the moon came, or what we think possibly is where the moon came from. There's also the capture theory. The moon was formed somewhere else, and later it was captured into the gravitational field of the Earth. There's the condensation theory, which says that the moon and the earth were condensed together from the original nebula that formed the solar system. The colliding planetesimals theory is the interaction of earth-orbiting and sun-orbiting planetesimals, which are very large chunks of rocks like asteroids, early in the history of the solar system, led to their breakup and the moon condensed from this debris that came off of it. This is a very fancy way of saying that there's a bunch of chonks out in space and one day the chonks decided to chonk together and that became the moon. And last, there's the ejected ring theory. A planetesimal the size of Mars struck the Earth, which ejected large volumes of matter. A disk of orbiting material was formed and the matter eventually condensed to form the moon in orbit around the Earth, which is kind of taking the capture theory, the condensation theory, and the colliding planetesimals theory and putting them all together to say that 
uh, a giant chunk of something in space hit the Earth. It ejected a bunch of stuff off of the Earth. And as it was orbiting around the Earth, it eventually condensed all together to form the moon. What we tend to think is that moons just get trapped into the orbit of planets. But with something as large as the with something as large as the moon, it's not possible. It can't work like that. It can't just come into the orbit of the Earth and get trapped. All conventional theories of where the moon came from just don't make sense because the moon itself is so unconventional. Such as the ejected ring theory, it's a theory, but it's really unlikely. Here are some metrics to add to the confusion of how unconventional the moon is. The moon is 2,160 miles wide at the equator. This is exactly 400 times smaller than the sun. The moon is also exactly 400 times closer than the sun, putting it in the exact right location for solar eclipses. The chance that the moon's size in comparison to the sun being able to give us perfect eclipses is astronomically small. This relationship to our knowledge has never been duplicated by another planetary sun and moon relationship. The fact that this can happen, the fact that those are s numbers are so perfect is completely unheard of. It, it shouldn't exist. Our moon is also the only moon with a near perfect circulatory orbit. The odds of a moon being in that sort of orbit accidentally are also incredibly, incredibly, incredibly low. And there was numbers, but I'm not going to say the numbers. I'm just going to say that it was so incredibly low that it makes a near perfect circulatory orbit because other moons do not do that. We have done computer simulations to determine what would happen to the Earth were we not to have the moon at all, or to have the moon not do the perfect circulatory orbit, and its results are detrimental. The moon is life-giving. The moon is what makes Earth a haven for life. And without the moon, the Earth's axis tilt would actually be completely different than it is today. This is to the point where seasons as we know them would not exist. This makes our moon incredibly strange when compared to other moons. Other moons don't have this sort of effect. And I'm going to get into in a bit why that is, but overall it's because of the size of our moon. The moon revolves around the Earth at exactly one hundredth of the speed the Earth turns on its axis. These are a lot of very precise mathematical numbers. It's almost as if they've been purposely put that way. No other planet we know of has anywhere near the exact measurement consistencies of the Earth its moon, and its sun. And just adding in this as a fun fact, if you divide the circumference of the sun by the moon and multiply by 100, you get the polar circumference of the Earth. Was the moon placed where it is? Was it engineered? Was our whole existence a planned event? There's more. There is no way physics can explain why the moon remains stationary to Earth's orbit, never revealing the dark side of the moon to us. We just can't explain it, and we don't even have theories about why this is. A background to lunar beings. Johannes Kepler was, an, a, Ger was a German astronomer, mathematician, and astrologer. 
Before I go too far into his background on lunar beings, know that he was actually a really smart dude and did have a lot of very real breakthroughs. He was the first person to understand images becoming inverted in our eyes. He had a lot of mathematical breakthroughs. So even though I'm going to tell you about some of his stuff that might seem a little crazy now, he actually was very smart and very influential in the science and the mathematic world. But that being said, it was the early 1600s and Johannes had a low-grade telescope so he began to assume when he looked at the moon that the craters he saw were the domes of subterranean cities with lunar inhabitants. He was laughed at for this, but he was not the first person to look at the moon and think something had to be inhabiting it. Folklore for thousands of years involved the moon in some way having inhabitants, from gods to rabbits. Yes, multiple cultures have references to there being a bun-bun on the moon. From Buddhism to Native American folklore to Japanese folklore, which makes me inclined to believe that there is some weird bunny chilling on the moon because why do so many cultures reference there being a rabbit if it's not true? Like, did somebody just send a rabbit to outer space at one point when all cultures were watching? I, I don't know. But there is a bunch of folklore about there being a rabbit on the moon and... The rabbit shows up in all different ways from being put there as a memoriam for doing a heroic deed to just basically accidentally ending up on the moon. It was even referenced by NASA shortly before Apollo 11 landed on the moon in 1969. Mission Control in Houston jokingly referred to the Chinese version of the story, telling the spaceship's crew, quote, among the large headlines concerning Apollo this morning, there's one asking you to watch for a lovely girl with a big rabbit. Command module pilot Michael Collins replied, quote, Okay, we'll keep a close eye out for the bunny girl. Unquote. Later in the 1820s, Franz von Paula Gruthesian, I nailed it, a Bavarian astronomer claimed to have seen entire cities on the moon through his telescope. He wrote all about the Lunarians, who lived there, building sophisticated buildings, roads, cities, and forts. And many people scoffed at him, but he did eventually have a small lunar crater named after him. It was the same time, though, in the 1820s, that Sir William Herschel, a prominent astronomer and composer, made observations as well that aliens lived on the moon and kept regular tabs on their construction projects. He was taken a little more seriously, though, leading the New York Sun to publishing articles about the existence of life on the moon in 1835. These were crediting Herschel's son, though, with the discovery. I'm not sure, I couldn't figure out, or I couldn't find any more information on why it was Herschel's son that was referenced, but there were actual articles published about Lunarians and what they were up to, what their construction projects were. And now what you've been waiting for, the Hollow Moon Theory. Hollow Moon Theory, Hollow Moon Hypothesis, or Spaceship Moon Hypothesis, proposes that the moon is either completely hollow, um, or otherwise contains a substantial amount of interior space. This is similar to Hollow Earth, but we will get into that another time. The first time that the Hollow Moon was published 
was in 1901 in the H.G. Wells novel, quote, The First Men in the Moon. Do you remember David Icke? We talked about him in the simulation theory. He also has theorized that the moon is hollow, as have many other people, as a product of an alien civilization in one way or another. But moving on. The year is 1970, and the place is the Soviet Academy of Sciences. Michael Vassin and Alexander Shishirbakov Shishirbakov came up with the hypothesis that the moon is a spaceship created by unknown beings. They wrote an article that was entitled, Is the Moon the Creation of Alien Intelligence? And it was published in the Sputnik. Both authors reference Yoshev Sholovsky, an astrophysicist, who suggested that the Martian moon Phobos was an artificial satellite and was also hollow which has since been proven to not be the case. Author Jason Colavito points to the evidence as circumstantial and believes in the 1960s the Soviet Union promoted the ancient astronaut theory as an attempt to undermine the, West is be- the West's belief in religion. There is some legitimacy, though, to what the authors were pointing out, mainly looking at the craters on the moon. The theory relies heavily on the suggestion that large lunar craters are assumed to be formed from meteor impact. However, they are too shallow and have a flat or even convex bottom. The moon has no atmosphere to protect it from space debris, and there are no natural erosive forces like water on the moon. Small meteors make a cup-shaped depression in the moon's rocky surface, while large meteors are drilling through the rock layer and hitting something underneath. Is there an armored hull underneath? Something under the lunar surface is preventing impact from doing more damage. There is a uniform depth to the craters. And when investigating the rock, the scientists have found various metal barriers under the surface of the moon. This makes even less sense when you consider the density of the moon. The moon has a density of 3.3 grams per centimeter, 3.3 grams per centimeter cubed, whereas the Earth is 5.5 grams per centimeter cubed. A theory of this is the moon may have been formed by a giant impact that ejected some of the Earth's crust into orbit, like we talked about earlier. The upper mantle and crust of the Earth are less dense than its core, so when it the moon had the impact, or when the Earth had the impact and sent the moon out into space, it was only the crust, which is less dense. We don't know this. We have no idea if that's what happened. That's just one of the theories. It has been determined, though, the mass of the moon is only 1.2% that of the Earth's. How could that possibly be? When a meteor hits something that is that shallow or has that little density, It should really cause a huge amount of damage. It should not be that when it hits the moon, it causes everything to be the same depth. This, like, all the craters to be the same depth. And this brings us to the most compelling evidence. The weird phenomena when the moon rings like a bell. The phrase ringing like a bell was brought to popular attention in March 1970 in an article in Popular Science that spoke about this phenomenon. During the latter end of the Apollo missions, NASA astronauts placed seismic recording devices on the lunar surface to document artificial and natural moonquakes. 
What the heck is a seismograph, you may ask? A seismometer is an instrument that responds to any sort of ground motion, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and explosions. When combined with a timing device and a recording device, it becomes a seismograph, with the output of this device being a seismogram. That used to be on paper, but now is digital. If you think of the movie Tremors, the girl whose name I can't remember, and I've been thinking about it, but I still can't remember, um, but that the one girl that was into Kevin Bacon, she used a seismograph to notice the tremors. And fun fact, the first seismoscope, sorry, the first seismoscope was created in China in 132 AD by Zhang Heng during the Han Dynasty. It was called Hofun Didong Yi. I know I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but it's translated as Instrument for Measuring the Seasonal Winds and the Movements of the Earth. What they recorded on the seismograph ranged from meteor strikes, man-made explosions, and even crash landings of Apollo rockets. Even the sun's heat created seismic activity when it caused the moon to thaw on a daily basis. The astronauts were given a series of ALSEPs, or Apollo Lunar Surface Experiment Packages, to set up the seismographs and initiate detonations, ranging from shotgun-like charges to mortars with multiple grenades. What they found is insane. The moon rings like a bell, sometimes reverberating for well over an hour at a time. Eventually, on November 20th, 1969, Charles Conrad Jr. and Allen, who is just referenced as Allen, I didn't get his last name, from NASA, intentionally crashed the Apollo 12 module, as well as the SIVB rocket, into the moon, setting off an explosive force roughly equivalent to 12 tons, 12 tons of TNT. Upon this impact, for over three hours, the moon reverberated like a gong for a depth of over 20 miles which still puzzles scientists and conspiracy theorists to this day. We touched a lot on the weird scientific anomalies, but there's more. The moon should be about 40 miles in diameter when comparing it its relation to the size of the Earth and comparing to other planets and their moons. This isn't how it is, though. As I mentioned, it's over 2,000 miles in diameter, which simply does not make sense in physics. Of all the moons in the solar system, ours is the fifth largest. No other planet we're aware of has a moon as proportionately big as ours. In fact, Neptune has a moon that is closest in size to our moon, but Neptune is four four times the size of the Earth. We have a question from the audience. Matt, passing the microphone to you. Can I go? You can go, it's recording, yeah. Okay, so if... These are all the same depth, all these craters, then why couldn't we go with just like a shovel and dig just a little deeper and see, uh, you know, what's going on at the bottom of these craters? So scientists actually have kind of done that. We haven't investigated the moon a lot, but we have dug into the craters underneath the really soft moon rock to see what's underneath. And what they found was various metals, including brass and other metals that shouldn't exist on the moon, as 
forming kind of a layer cap underneath all of the soft rock. Uh, I couldn't find too many articles on it, but that was from a NASA website that I was reading that. So thank you for your question, audience. (laughs) (laughs) What is the moon really? And who's inhabiting it? Because this topic is so interesting and the evidence is so compelling, I've had numerous conversations about the inhabitants of the moon and what the moon really is and why they'd be inhabiting it. So here are five reasons that we could come up with. Well, me and my friends and family that I forced into this conversation could come up with for why the moon is the way it is. Number one is the classic. There's aliens in the moon, it's their spaceship, and they're watching Earth like a TV show. Or maybe they're recording Earth and that's like the satellite that sends it out to other aliens and they can watch it on their little space TVs. Anyway, that's the classic one. The, the, the aliens are just watching Earth like it's a TV show. Number two. Time is different for the inhabitants. So aliens came. They came on the moon. They built pyramids. They taught people how to make fire. And then they went for a nap. And boy, oh boy, are they going to be surprised with how much society has changed when they wake up. Number three is it's not actually inhabited. It is a spaceship, but it was abandoned when aliens came a long time ago. Maybe it broke and the part that they needed or the material they needed can't be found on Earth. So they got in a mothership and basically just made the moon a piece of space junk floating around our planet. Number four, it's an alien science experiment. And they wanted to see if they could create life by placing large things close together and changing the Earth's axis and making it mathematically so that uh, life could exist. And they did, and now it's out of control, and they're freaking out, and they don't know what to do, and it's sitting on a teenage alien shelf somewhere. We are just a teenage alien science project. Number five is back to the simulation. That's all this is. And the moon is only so-so rendered So whoever created it just kind of gave up on the physics. Maybe they got lazy. Maybe they just didn't want us to figure it out. So they made the moon. They put it together. It was mathematically perfect because things usually are in a simulation. And then they were like, eh, even if humans go to the moon, they're never going to get into it enough to notice that we haven't rendered it entirely. And it's just kind of like a half-assed piece of a video game. (laughs) So those are the theories that we could come up with for why the moon is the way it is, who's inhabiting it. If you have your own theories, I want to hear it. Please email me at telegnosisnt at gmail.com or send in a listener story. I want to know what's happening in your life. Is anything creepy? Send me some weird stuff to telegnosisnt at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you have an amazing day, an amazing week. You can see some pictures from this episode on our Instagram at telegnosisnt, or you can follow us on Twitter, telegnosispod. You can also check us out on our website, telegnosisnt.com, and you can support us on Patreon if you like what you hear. Thank you so much for listening, and... Stay creepy, guys. 
Bye.